Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, we get going for a Thursday. We take a bite of the Big Apple with uh, Ian Eagle, the voice of the uh, television voice of the uh, Brooklyn Nets and also CBS Television. Uh, also handles the bocce playoffs on his days off. <laughs> Very busy guy. Very busy guy. <laughs> so Very I got to ask. This year, Howard, the yep. bocce playoffs. I, I don't think it's getting nearly as much attention. No, year. it's it's probably not. Uh, but I, I'm all for it. Either that or. Women's lacrosse is always very big in my mind. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to combine the two. If we could do some form of bocce lacrosse, I think. Well, because they have that. They have that in, in, in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's where I'll go. I go where the jobs are. All right, so i got to ask you a very critical, important question. Uh, the Friends reunion, are you into that? I am curious. I think... I'm, I think people are probably a little misinformed on what it's going to be. They think it's going to be them doing a show, and it's not. It's basically an interview, roundtable, then a table read with a couple of surprise guests. So I know what's going to happen, so I'm not going to be surprised. I think some people are going to be very disappointed. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with that. You know, with the anticipation is always, always uh, outdraws the actual reality. So I said to my wife, I said, you know, I think I'm in love with Phoebe. And she said, well, then go for it. She yeah. said, I said, I said uh, and, and, and if I do, are you going to be upset? She goes, no, you got no chance. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but I don't understand. Are you in love with the character Phoebe or with Lisa Kudrow? Well, actually, I met Lisa Kudrow when I was getting ready to do a show at Sirius. And she had just been interviewed by somebody. And I'm walking down the hall. And she's coming towards me, and I smile at her. She smiles at me, and I said, hi, Phoebes. And she starts to laugh. <laughs> so right then and there, I, she was she was my favorite. She's, she's my yeah, favorite. Very talented. She's very, very talented. I don't know if you've seen her in uh, other stuff. She's good in everything that she does. That's yeah. a sign of a, a really impressive actress. It wasn't just... Lisa Kudrow as Phoebe. It, it was her playing the part, and she played it really well. Yeah, she did. Uh, uh, so with the Nets uh, Celtic series coming up, now the local TV doesn't handle the, the telecast, which I've always felt was kind of disappointing. Because... Well, we have it in the first round. Oh, you do? Our, yeah, oh. we do have the first oh, round. Good. Uh, we do not have uh, the second round and beyond, and we do not have game one. That is a national exclusive on Saturday night, so we'll pick up on Tuesday night with Game 2, and then Friday night, Game 3, Sunday night, Game 4. But we are doing three of the first four games of the series. If I said that the pressure is on the Nets because everybody expects them to win this series, uh, it's not only win the series, but I think it's got to be a statement series where they got to do it quickly, either four or five games. Would that be accurate? Uh, I would say that's accurate, yeah. I think 
the intrigue is not so much in who's going to win this first round series between the Nets and Boston. The intrigue is how many games will it take? So once you get into that classification of a conversation, that means everybody is picking you to win, and rightfully so. Second best record in the Eastern Conference, a ridiculous amount of talent, a banged-up Boston team, a roster that is imperfect right now based on some deals that they had to make. They wanted to avoid the luxury tax. They got rid of some of their toughness in Daniel Tice. And I think that is a big hit for them. Part of the reason why the Nets had some problems with the Celtics in recent years was not just the gifts of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but Daniel Tice was a thorn in their side. And they don't really have anyone to step in for that role to make it tough around the rim or uh, on potential offensive rebounding opportunities for Brooklyn. The reality, it has everything to do with the Nets. It has very little to do with Boston right now from uh, a New York perspective. Uh, They are going to be judged on what they do in the postseason. It's that simple. Uh, Whatever they did, this happened to be, Howard, the best winning percentage in franchise history, better than the 0-1-0-2 team that busted through and went to the NBA Finals with Jason Kidd. So they've already accomplished that. Nobody cares. It's it's irrelevant. If they don't have a strong run in the playoffs, then we know what the reaction is going to be. The results will dictate the way this team is remembered. I ain't eagle, a television voice of the Nets. Uh, I, uh, it would seem to be it's either win a championship or, or nothing. Uh, I mean, that, that's the way this thing has been constructed. This big three was put together. Uh, people are making a, a big deal about the fact that they've only played eight or nine games together. Uh, there's got to be an adjustment period. I don't agree. Uh, I, I think you've got three superstar players that know how the game is played. Uh, you know, the familiarity thing, uh, I don't really think it's as much of a big deal as people are making out of it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's been a very easy narrative to turn to. If you don't want to believe in this team, if you don't like the way they were constructed, if you think they cut corners, which I don't believe any of that, by the way, but I know that's been a theory thrown out there by NBA observers, then that's an easy one to go to. That's a crutch. You say, oh, they just haven't played enough games together. Okay, (laughs) but the games they did play together – Uh, There were some signs of a high level of effectiveness. The individual talent from the three of them is off the charts elite. And the objective is the same. They're all on the same page. And I think in this particular case, the chemistry off the court can translate on the court. Three really smart, high IQ basketball players and a head coach that has been the perfect temperament for that, for large personalities. Steve Nash has been the right guy for it because he has the experience of being a superstar, uh, but he also has a, a certain humility about him. He doesn't claim to know everything. He doesn't claim to have all the answers. Uh, he has allowed this team to problem solve at times when they've needed to go out and figure it out sometimes there was criticism early in the season he wouldn't take timeouts quickly enough and i do think it was a very conscious effort on his part of hey i'm not going to bail you out every time that may change come postseason 
but the initial question, Howard, that you asked, I'm with you. I, I don't I don't think that's going to be an issue. Every team will face adversity in the playoffs. It's never an easy, breezy run. So how do you handle that adversity? And then the biggest part of, of this whole equation, can you stay healthy? Can you stay whole? Well, that's that's always a big deal, as you know. And, and particularly this year where injuries have played such a big part. Look how it's affected the Lakers. Look how it's affected the Nets. Look how it's affected you know a lot of teams in the league. But th- this Net team is not just these three guys. It's Jeff Green. It's, it's yeah. Blake Griffin. It's uh, Bruce Brown. It, I mean... This is Joe Harris. I mean, this is a team that's Mike James. This team is very deep, and people don't seem to understand that. They are, and the other part to it, Howard, because I think it is going to pop up as a conversation piece that everybody's focused on the big three. They won a bunch of games this year without James Harden, without Kevin Durant, without Kyrie Irving. So it's not like they hit the postseason that they relied completely on the big three and everybody else on the team was marginalized. That wasn't the case. Uh, They found ways to win. They manufactured wins on some nights where they didn't have their major talent or they didn't have their A game. When Nicholas Claxton uh, was a revelation and delivered a double-double or Landry Shamit couldn't miss from the outside or Tyler Johnson came off the bench and gave them some juice and a lift. And all the other players that you mentioned, including Green, Harris, Brown, uh, that's real. That's tangible. You can look back at the box scores. You can look at the numbers. And these guys contributed. I think that's part of the reason why this team is very confident going into the postseason, that it isn't all about the big three. The others did their part, and they're probably going to be asked to do it at certain points during this postseason run as well. You know, I think of all the guys that I've mentioned, the one guy who's really come on like gangbusters is Blake Griffin. I mean, here's a guy that's been beset with injuries his entire career, once upon a time a superstar, and but he has given the Nets a lot of punch off the bench. Yeah, and the other part of it too, uh, Howard, because you've been around this for so long, there's an unspoken part to chemistry that most people never get to see and that's what happens behind the scenes in addition to what Blake has brought from a toughness standpoint absorbing charges uh, hitting the deck getting a piece of a loose ball keeping a possession alive and then offensively cleaning up on the inside showing a little bit of that lift that made him a superstar in addition to all of that he has provided them with a really likable personality. And in the locker room, which my understanding was prior to the Harden deal, it was a very quiet locker room. There wasn't a lot of joking. There wasn't a lot Hmm. of levity. There wasn't a lot of chatter. And when Harden got there, that increased tenfold. He's a talkative type. He is ingratiating. He is one of the guys that that teams look to for leadership and providing a little bit of juice behind the scenes. And he did all that. And then Blake Griffin comes over in, in the move that they made and he brought it to another level. He's got an incredible sense of humor. He's got a way with people. There's an affability there. And that goes a long way. That helps a great deal in building a team. 
Uh, I, I would agree with all that. I mean, I don't know Blake Griffin well enough to, to you know, to understand exactly who he is. But uh, I, I, look, I felt from day from, from from I don't know for a long time now that the Nets didn't need the top seed in the East. I felt it was more important for Philadelphia to be that top seed. Look at their home record. Uh, I didn't. I never thought Milwaukee would get to that top seed. But you know, the Nets only finished a game behind. Uh, they they still they're still going to have to go through Milwaukee uh, before they even get to Philadelphia. But having said all of that, you know, I'm reminded on going back in time when I was doing the New Jersey Nets, and I came into the press room one night when they when the Knicks were in town, and I, I want to say it was during the playoffs when Chuck Daly was there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Marv Albert's sitting there, and he goes, hey, the Nets are playing so much better. What happens if the Nets win a championship? Uh, where are they going to have the parade on? Route 16W of the Turnpike? And, right. I, and I said to Marv, you know, one day, the bubble of pomposity, <laughs> the bubble of pomposity is going to break. And, yeah. I mean, they haven't been to the playoffs in seven years. Having said that, they've been a great story all year. And, I mean, if, the way the Knicks are going right now, I don't know if they're going to get past Atlanta. We'll find out. But if the Nets win a championship, this is still a Nick town. You know that better than I do. Yeah, I think obviously you've lived it and you experienced it from the New Jersey Nets side with the New York Knicks side and always being the little brother and always being the afterthought. And I think what fueled the Nets organization back then was trying to compete with the Knicks. And often that was misguided. Uh, there, there was just no competition. Um, it, it left most of the people that worked for the organization consistently disappointed. What I've learned in the move to Brooklyn and with Sean Marks in particular taking over, it was really the first time that they didn't care about the Knicks and they didn't create a business plan to try to compete with the Knicks and take a bite out of the fan base they decided that it was time to commit to building a championship organization Mm -hmm. and that is very freeing in many ways because their priorities changed the philosophy now is hey build it and people will pay attention win and people will care so what i've noticed this year more than any year that i've been associated with the team they've become a bigger national story than they've ever been going back to the kid years when they went to back to back nba finals their relevance level still wasn't that high this year it's been at an all-time high they're consistently the lead story when you talk about the nba and the highlights are popping up everywhere and the conversation is happening everywhere and i think for the nets and their fans If you get off of the idea that the Battle of New York is a real thing and realize that the team isn't viewing it that way as much anymore, you just go about your business and and win basketball games. Good things are going to happen. If they win a championship, it will resonate. It doesn't mean that they take over New York. I don't even know if that's what they're focused on anymore. Obviously, they want to build a fan base. Uh, They want uh, people to come back and show up at games and then return. All of that is real. That's part of your business. I I get that part. But I don't think they're preoccupied 
like they used to be about what the Knicks are doing. I'm not sure they're they're even focused on what the Knicks are doing anymore. But the Knicks are a great story, and what Tom Thibodeau has done there uh, should be applauded. And with that said, it's better for basketball in the New York area if both teams are competitive. Yeah, it's better, and this has been a better year because of it. Yeah, and uh, look, I was talking to an, an old New Jersey net, Kenny Anderson, recently, and he's coaching a college team down, Fisk College down in um, mm-hmm. in Nashville, and he's he's watching the Nets. Uh, you know, yep. let's face it, he's still got the connection from his days as a player. Uh, let me uh, divert for a second to the Knicks-Hawks series. The Knicks uh, players, uh, according to some articles I read today, are offended that most people think the Hawks are more talented. Uh, they are. I don't think there's any question about it. The Hawks are more talented. You got Trey Young, got Bogdanovich, you got Capella, Collins, Gallinari, uh, Dunn. Uh, uh, this is a very talented team that can shoot the three as well as anybody in the league. And the Knicks... Have, Julius Randle's had a magnificent season. Barrett's still, uh, you know, in a, he had a good pro, a rookie year. Derrick Rose has, had, has, has made significant contributions. Alex Burke has made significant contributions. Mm-hmm. Nerlens Noel has stepped in very e- uh, ably for Mitchell Robinson. Bullock, uh, they have some talent, no doubt about it. But one thing they don't have is experience in the playoffs. How important is that? Well, I think it's an even playing field in many ways. Uh, the talent that you just ripped off from Atlanta, other than Capella, who's really got uh, the deep playoff experience. Both teams are going through this together. I agree with you on the talent part of it. I think Atlanta is the superior team in terms of talent. I love how hard the Knicks play. I love what Thibodeau has gotten out of Julius Randle. It's been the perfect union. <laughs> He's the perfect coach for that player, and that player is the perfect player for that coach. They're simpatico. Everything that that Tibbs wants, Randall wants, and vice versa. And that's why it's worked. He plays hard. He works hard. He cares a lot. That's what Tom Thibodeau is a coach. That's, that's all you want. You want someone that cares. And he's got the talent to back it up, and he works hard on his game to evolve and improve and make uh, sure he doesn't have the same mistake twice. Playoff experience, the only way to get it is to be in it. So uh, both of those teams are going to go through uh, a very similar experience here. And uh, we're going to find out about Trey Young in the postseason and if he can carry a team or if he has to carry a team. I personally don't think he has to. I think Atlanta's got enough ability, mm-hmm. and I've been impressed with them this season. They play the Nets very well, so I've seen it up close and personal. I've watched them a, a bunch on television. Uh, Nate McMillan ended up being the perfect voice for that team when they made the coaching change. Just look at the numbers. The numbers back it up. The wins back it up. They're playing the right style. You know, Everybody just always looked at Nate as a defensive coach. That's how he built his reputation because of who he was as a player. And then the numbers in Indiana when he was the head coach there, doesn't mean he can't coach offense. doesn't mean that he doesn't believe in good offense. He just had to win with what he was given. I always found that really fascinating. You know Mike Fratello for a long time like I do. Mike got a bad rap in Cleveland that he was trying to slow the game down and 
play the game in the 80s. No, he was playing with what he had. In Atlanta, they were flying up and down the court because he had Dominique Wilkins. And then eventually when he got to Memphis uh, for that final stint, it was a little bit of both. Uh, He combined the grind city mentality, but also some creative offensive sets. You play the hand that you're dealt. And Nate McMillan's got a good hand to work with. They, They are really talented. Let me ask you this. You're talking with Ian Eagle, a television voice of the Nets. Um, do you give an advantage to one coach or the other? Uh, I do think that Tibbs has the finger on the pulse with the Knicks. He really knows what makes that team go. Uh, Nate was not the head coach all season. Nate was one seat over for a long stretch. I think they've responded really well to to Nate McMillan, but once you get into the postseason, you just never quite know. You don't know how a team's going to handle adversity, how they're going to handle a loss, how they're going to handle heartbreak. So I might give a a bit of an advantage to Tibbs in this particular case just because this team was built in many ways in his likeness. You know, he had so much input in putting this team together and we've seen the end result not to say nate hasn't been intimately involved but not quite at the same level as tibbs who do you give the edge to which team i think the knicks are going to win the series okay i do yeah i i believe the the knicks have a little something going here Uh, if we are talking talent i think atlanta has more of it i like the knicks toughness and i like what they've done in close games this year didn't love the way that they ended that Boston game in game number 72. That was uh, a little concerning when it was there. You just had to slam the door shut, and it got really interesting. But I would give the Knicks the edge. Uh, last night, we saw what I called an overhyped game. Uh, it was Golden State and Curry. It was LeBron and Anthony Davis and the Lakers. Uh, and what I saw in the first half it didn't surprise me. The, the Lakers looked sluggish. They looked out of sorts. They couldn't make shots, couldn't make defensive stops. In Mm -hmm. the meantime, give Golden State credit. They did make defensive stops. Uh, But you do not expect Anthony Davis to go two for 12 very long. You don't expect LeBron James to go one for seven for very long. And look what happened in the second half. AD went eight for 12. LeBron went six of 10, including a triple-double. And Curry got his. He got 37 points. So I wasn't surprised with the outcome And I think it was good that the Lakers struggled in that first half because I think it sent a message to that locker room at halftime. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on with everything that you said. I would add to it that this idea that LeBron James can just turn it on, turn it off. Uh, We've just grown accustomed to him figuring it out and finding a way and willing his team to the finish line. It's not that easy. So there were two schools of thought that, oh, he's going to be really fresh because once he got past the ankle issue, the rest of his body has been resting and it has not taken a physical toll like it had in previous years. So he's going to be good to go and he's just going to lead the charge. And the second school of thought, which was more towards where I was leaning, was you can't just jump in and expect championship caliber when you haven't had the reps. And that first half was such a blatant example of that and second half things changed team responded Uh, you're right Uh, i do think it was a wake-up call in many ways but 
I think it will be challenging. I don't believe this is going to be a simple road for the Lakers. The West is really good. The team that they're playing in the first round has a lot of confidence. They don't have the championship medal, but they know who they are. And I don't think it was a hollow regular season. I would be really surprised if the Lakers dominated the Phoenix Suns. That would shock me. I think Phoenix is going to put up quite a fight. And I know it's not your typical 2-7, and this is not your typical season, and this is not your typical team, and it's not your typical superstar. So everything is a little bit different, but this is a highly anticipated matchup with a highly competitive player in Chris Paul, who's very proud, and they've got a squad. They've, they've got a team. They've figured some stuff out this year. Monty Williams has done terrific work. He's probably going to be the coach of the year in the NBA. Uh, I would say Tibbs is probably number two in that category, and Quinn Snyder is probably third with Steve Nash somewhere in the conversation. I am the but first. This Phoenix, is, Phoenix is the real deal. They can play. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, this is the first time that I can remember when a seven seed has been favored over the two seed. According to Las Vegas this morning, they, they picked the Lakers to win this series. Now, uh, I can't dispute that. Uh, but again, we come back to the experience factor. The Suns don't have a whole lot. Uh, the Lakers no. do. Uh, and particularly on the big stage. Uh, I, I'm not saying that the Suns aren't going to give them a battle, because I think they are, but I could see the Lakers winning this series in six games. Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly. And you would expect them to. Yeah, that, that would not be a surprise. The surprise is if, if the, the two-seed advances and the two-seed gets it done against the seven-seed in this particular case. Uh, I think that's what's going to make this postseason a lot of fun. A lot of the things that we normally do in the NBA when you get to the playoffs is judge off of the regular season and the trends that we saw, the numbers. And this year, I'm not sure we can do that because this season was so strange. Road games weren't real road games. You were not dealing with unruly crowds. Uh, you weren't even dealing with uh, the same type of travel because it was a little different than it had been in the past. And you weren't dealing with teams that could go out and hit the town the night before certain games in certain cities. They weren't allowed. They weren't allowed to leave the room. doesn't mean that some guys didn't try to take advantage as the season went on. They did. But certainly through the first half of the season to the All-Star break, that was not part of the story anymore. Home games were no longer the, the advantage that they had been in previous years. So... You know, I know broadcasters, Howard, are going to throw out these numbers. They're going to tell you what the team did at home this year, what they did on the road. I came to the conclusion pretty early that they're not going to tell the whole story because it just wasn't your normal, regular kind of season. So I think the playoffs could, could be a lot of fun. I do think there is intrigue there and a lot of teams that surpassed expectations a lot of teams that fell short of expectations and then you get to find out what the real answer is when when you hit a playoff series i'm sure that uh that you look over this situation you say to yourself well you know what i like to see obviously the nets get to the uh win the eastern finals and get to the the finals mm -hmm. again against who or whom uh look uh, i i i thought you know, could Utah do it? Well, of course, they've been phenomenal at home. Could Phoenix do it? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sold on the Clippers. And the reason why I'm not is they've been inconsistent 
and, uh, and, and starts with Paul George. He's been very inconsistent. They've been sloppy. They've turned the ball over a little bit. But there's a side of me that would like to see the Clippers play the Nets because it would be you against your son. <laughs> and now that brings... Uh, I knew you were going there. Well, that brings the bigger, the bigger question is, who's your wife rooting for? Yeah, that's a great point. I think she would have to move away. She would have to leave the country for three weeks. Yeah, it, it, it's funny that, that you bring that up because Noah and I haven't even talked about that or the possibility of it. I don't think either of us wants to jinx anything and just let the teams do what they're going to do. The disappointment from last year for the Clippers franchise and for their fan base, I believe that there has been a little bit of that lingering as you get ready for the next postseason. It's hard to just separate yourself from that. That loss to Denver changed the direction of the organization. Mm -hmm. Doc Rivers, if they win that series, he probably keeps the job. Even if they lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, Doc would probably still be the head coach. And who knows with some of the other personnel decisions that they made, uh, would they have just stayed the course and given it another shot? Maybe. So now they believe they're they're coming to the postseason in better shape than they were a year ago, and that Kawhi is one of those players that can turn it on when necessary, and he's proven it on the biggest stage. That's the one X factor that, that we do have to look at. Playoff Kawhi. Rondo, who has been an outstanding postseason performer, ends up being a part of this team. Paul George not being asked to shoulder all of the responsibility. And a better mix of chemistry compared to the team that fell short a year ago. If if you're asking me why would you be bullish on the Clippers right now, that would be the reason behind the scenes. They just feel better about their squad. I can see it. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. And the thing that's cool about all of this, I think the Nets are probably the closest team to being, to being a great team for, in the entire NBA. Otherwise, there's a lot of very good teams. But I think with the Nets' talent and the big three, they would have to be the favorites to go all the way. That doesn't mean anything. That means that, that the possibility, that doesn't mean that's the likelihood. Hey, always, yeah, go ahead, finish. Yeah, last part, just to add to it, Howard, I think – the Nets have taken on the role of villain in many people's eyes yeah. because they just don't like the way that this team came together. And that also provides really good theater in the NBA. Whether it's true or not, I don't believe it to be true. I, I just think it's kind of a, a figment of people's imagination, but that's fine. Uh, whatever, whatever gets people excited, whatever gets people on board, I, I do think there is an audience out there that really – is interested in how this thing is going to go and most of the time in the nba howard you lived it for many years and uh as a fan you've seen it as well you kind of already come to conclusions before the series even so well they're gonna win they're gonna and this is one of those years where you say well i'm not sure i don't know how this is all gonna look when the smoke clears that's a good thing yeah no you're right uh always love talking to you my man because we kind of we're both kind of warped. Uh, 
So, I'm going to take that as a positive. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Like you, do, you keep doing a great job that you're doing and enjoy the ride and stay safe, uh, most importantly. Thanks, HD. I appreciate it, man. Always great talking to you. Be well. Thank you, you too. He is Iron Eagle. One of the real good guys. One of the real good guys that I know in this business. It's always fun talking to him. So we're going to switch gears and talk to a guy that's going to be televising, at least early on, uh, to the team that's got a, a tough task. And that is a task to see if they can beat one of the hot teams in the league right now. And that would be uh, the New York Knicks. And he's Bob Rathman, the television voice. Hey, Howard. Hello, Bob. How are you doing today? Outstanding. How are you? I guess you should be because, uh, I mean, I just talked to uh, Ian Eagle, who does the Nets games, as you know. Uh, and I think if there was a team that's the villain in all of this, it's the Nets because uh, everybody's, uh, you know, well, they put together all the superstar talent they're supposed to win. That doesn't guarantee anything that gives them a good chance. But uh, you do the Atlanta Hawks games on television. And having said that, uh, you're up against a team right now that's, that's doing a lot of positive things. They're making the playoffs for the first time in seven years. Hawks have been out of the playoffs for the last three, but that drought is over for both. So if you're looking at the big picture, the Atlanta Hawks, it's uh, you've lost to the Nets, or the Knicks rather, three times this year. One game, uh, Trey Young gets hurt in the third quarter when the uh, Hawks were up seven, and maybe they would have won that game, but that doesn't matter. The regular season is passed, and now it's it's time to, to, to uh, see who's going to react in the playoffs. From an experience point of view, neither team has got a wealth of experience in the postseason. That's correct. And I chuckle at the fact that uh, some of these reports that come out say, well, the Knicks are facing a team that has very little playoff experience. That's true. But the the Knicks have less than we do. Right. So I I just kind of laugh at that. And uh, you're right. I mean, this is... These are two teams that have had excellent seasons. They're back on the map. They're back on the radar. It's great to see. It's always good to have the Knicks in playoff contention. Uh, it's great for the league in a lot of ways and, and great for that fan base. So I think it's terrific. Uh, it'll get everybody's attention here in Atlanta. That's for sure. They have really bought into this up-and-coming team, Howard, uh, with the way they've turned it around, and it all started with a coaching change. I don't think any of us felt like this was possible the way things were going uh it just we were disorganized defensively uh we were blowing leads in fourth quarters and nate mcmillan has come in here and turned this 180 and this club now believes in itself they believe in him they believe in each other and they've got some well-earned momentum to take into this playoff Uh, you have two coaches while thibodeau's getting a lot of accolades and deservedly so uh, you could say that he's going to get a significant uh, backing for Coach of the Year, although the NBA coaches have chosen Monty Williams from Phoenix, and you make a great case for that, too. The same with Quinn Snyder. Uh, maybe Doc Rivers as well, but Nick McMillan comes in, and he wins, what, his first eight games as head coach? That's correct. And he posted the best winning percentage for a season for any team that he's coached, well over 70%. So it, it hasn't been blue smoke and mirrors, Howard. It's been legitimately going out there and defending and winning basketball games. Uh, they've secured the home court as an advantage. Uh, 
the Hawks have going into this, they've won 11 straight games at home. They've only lost two of their last 18 in this uh, State Farm Arena here. So they feel pretty good about their chances. Uh, they feel like they may be deeper than the Knicks. Uh, they've got all kinds of shooting. Uh, we know the Knicks struggled to score. And I think this is one of the big things uh, where you were talking about how the regular season doesn't really mean that much. And I couldn't agree with you more. If you go back and you look at the three regular season games, the New York Knicks, offensively starved as they are, shot 48% from three-point range against the Hawks in those three games. Could they do it again? Absolutely. They did it once, they could do it again. In the playoffs, I'm not so sure. And if the we saw last weekend the Knicks struggled mightily at the end of the Charlotte game to score, struggled mightily against the Boston G League team to score. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would think with the playoffs and, and a week to prepare, the Hawks defense would be a little bit better than, than they saw during the regular season. Uh, am I hearing birds in the background? Yes, I am outside. I came out for a better signal on my phone because – the power is off at our house. Oh. Georgia Power is on the street, and they are replacing some cables. Oh. And uh, the, we didn't know what time they were coming, but they have, alas, arrived, and uh, they are doing their work, and nobody on our street has power right now. So I figured either day you got them from Augusta National because they always have those same birds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're the CBS birds. Yeah. <laughs> it's either that or the radio broadcaster in Atlanta, Steve Holman. It's, they sound the same. <laughs> Good one. Well, well uh, you know, I've known Steve a long time and think the world of him, so it's, uh, obviously it's not an insult. Uh, we all do. The, uh, today in the New York uh, periodicals, uh, the Knicks dismiss the idea that the Hawks roster is more skilled. Well, they can say, I'm, I'm, I don't have a horse in this race, but the Hawks roster is more talented. Let's, let's be quite clear about that. With Trey Young and Bogdanovich and Gallinari, Capella, Collins, Dunn, Solomon Hill, Herter, Lou Williams, this is a deeper roster than what the Knicks have. And we talked about neither team has a wealth of experience, but Julius Randle has never been on in this stage before. He's had a phenomenal season, deserves a lot of credit. Tom Thibodeau deserves credit for being a, a, one, of the, one of the guys that has made the difference. But Barrett's a young player. He's a rookie player. Derrick Rose uh, is – forget about who's starting for the Knicks at point guard. Derrick Rose is going to get the lion's share of the minutes because he's the most re- he's the most reliable. Yeah, you know, with the Knicks, you've got three non-scorers that, are, that play prominent roles. You know, if they if they sub in Nilakina instead of uh, Peyton at the point uh, to guard Trey, neither guy can score. Noel is a non-scorer. So – you know, our guys can put the ball in the basket. I mean, the way they shoot, and I think what gives the Hawks the edge, Howard, is the firepower off the bench. You know, when you get a Lou Williams and a Gallinari going, uh, that's pretty good uh, in a playoff series. Guys that are veterans that have been there before and can score in a, in a slower-paced game. We know the Knicks are not going to be running up and down the floor. So uh, that's, I think, what leads people to believe the Hawks might have an advantage. It doesn't mean they're going to win. But it does give them, at least on paper, I think, a lot of different offensive weapons that the Knicks just don't Look, you've got uh, a league right now that is so heavy in three-point shooters. And to that end, uh, what the Hawks did during the offseason 
was fill that roster with excellent three-point shooters, and you got it. I mean, Bogdanovich is is one of the better ones in the league. Gallinari is too. Trey Young can hoist him up from the third row of the seats. Exactly, and I don't think you'll be seeing uh, Trey do that much. I think uh, his ability to drive and get into the paint and work the pick and roll with Capella and Collins is where the Knicks will be taxed. Uh, this is where Tom's defense will be geared to take away option one and option two and where he shines as a coach uh, in doing that. But you got to put the ball in the basket at the other end, and I think the Hawks' uh, defense will be uh, to the task uh, against a team that doesn't have a ton of outside scoring options. You know, if Randall's not doing it from the outside, then you're looking at guys like Bullock, to shoot threes quickly to come off the bench and shoot threes but where else are you going to go uh for the outside shooting rose is going to put it on the deck and go to the hole we know that uh but everybody else is just kind of like you know where where's the offense going to come from uh valid point he's uh, bob rathman the television voice of the atlanta hawks uh nerland's noel has done a good job stepping in for mitchell robinson and has been uh blocking shots as a regular yes. part of his repertoire uh, so, obviously, that's going to be the challenge for the Hawks when they do take it to the basket. No question. Uh, but no, remember, Noel's going to have his hands full with Capella. Uh, this guy, Howard, has had an unbelievable season. Clint led the league in rebounding. I think he finished third in blocks. Uh, he's a rim runner. Uh, he's terrific on the lob game. The only you know flaw, really, is, is him at the foul line. And I think if he... If he hits over 50%, uh, they can't really play Hackapella uh, too much at the end of games. So this is a major advantage for the Hawks. Not that, you know, it's a plus-minus thing with, with Noel, but, I mean, in terms of, of occupying Noel uh, and keeping him off the glass, he's really going to have his hands full uh, with Clay Capella. guy's played an amazing season, and uh, I don't know why he hasn't gotten the recognition uh, that he's he deserves you know this is a guy howard who's been in the league this is his sixth season and his rebounds per game average has increased every year he's been in the nba now, not many guys can say that particularly when you're getting the kind of numbers that he's getting so he's had a remarkable year and uh he's going to be a big factor in the series tv voice of the hawks bob rathman is the uh, hawks get ready to play the new york knicks uh, I find this to be an intriguing series. Um, I, the Knicks pride themselves on great defense, uh, and they like to bang. And I and look, it's not a question of is one team tougher than the other. Both teams can come to the table with strengths on the inside. Yeah, John Collins is a factor. Uh, his ability to step out and shoot the three, he's developed himself into a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, I think what you'll see in this series, Howard, is – Collins will be waiting for Randall at the block. I think they're going to try to put DeAndre Hunter on him on the perimeter. And just to occupy him, just to keep him busy. Uh, I think it's an advantage to the Hawks for Randall to drive the ball, to post up. I'd rather have him shooting twos than threes. I'd rather him distributing uh, off of a good defender and Hunter than, uh, you know, somebody like Collins who has to, doesn't have that kind of quickness and defensive ability uh, on the perimeter. 
So the Hawks have got a couple things that they think they can throw at the Knicks that uh, that might occupy Randall a little bit more than they saw during the regular season. It would seem, Bob, that uh, the challenge for the Hawks is what do you do with Julius Randle? Uh, he's used to being double teamed. Uh, he can yep. create his own shot, whether it's beyond the arc or in the painted area. He can. He, he's very resourceful that way. He's got a lot of moves. His strength, obviously, is his left hand. So having said that, I have to imagine that the focus for Nate McMillan when he draws it up before the game is uh, we don't want to make we want to make sure that Randall doesn't go to the line 15 times because that could right. be a killer for us. Well, as I was saying, he's got he's going to draw a very good defensive player on the wing in DeAndre Hunter. This is a guy that's been lost to us for basically the last three months uh, to a knee problem. Uh, that is behind him, thankfully, and he's been back playing the last uh, uh, practicing the last ten days, and he's played in three games coming back. and And Nate started him Sunday in that game against Houston just to get him on the floor with Trey and John. Uh, he wanted to work on that chemistry. So you can expect Hunter to start. And when Randall's got that ball at the point forward spot, I think you can pretty much guarantee that we're going to defend him with Hunter on the wing. Now, when Randall gets inside, a little different story. But uh, at least on the perimeter, you're going to see an excellent defender. Uh, And that was his calling card coming out of UVA into the league. Great defensive player. Why we drafted him for it. taking on Julius Randle. Uh, I think that's going to be so much fun to watch as this series unfolds because Hunter can move his feet. He's big and strong. He's He can uh, physically stay with Julius now, not in a post-up. I'm talking about being on the, on the perimeter. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, the guy that uh, I have a big question mark about is Barrett. Uh, he's a uh, young kid, uh, has, has had his moments during the year. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm wondering how he's going to react in a pressure situation down the stretch in the fourth quarter of a game where uh, where Randall is double covered and he's the one who's got to make the play. And I'm, I'm curious now how, how he is going to respond to that. Yeah, I, I think that's the case of a lot of these guys. You know, so many core guys are getting that first taste of playoff basketball and to see how they respond is going to be key. But don't forget, Howard, at the other end, he's got to take on a guy at Bogdanovich who is absolutely on fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is off the charts. He's got a higher three-point percentage since uh, March the 1st than Steph does. Huh. I mean, the guy has been unbelievable. Uh, and he shows no signs of slowing down. Now you say, well, this is going to be his first playoff experience too. And that's true in the NBA. But don't forget... This guy has a Euro Cup championship under his belt. He's 28 years old. I mean, he's been through the fires overseas. It's different here, no question about it. But I'm telling you, Howard, this guy has developed into a premier two-guard in the NBA, and he has totally flown under the radar. I would agree. He's uh, Bob Rathman, the TV voice of the Atlanta Hawks. Another guy that the Knicks have who doesn't get a lot of notoriety, but he is a killer, and that's Alec Burks. He comes off the yes. bench. I mean, in one game he had 30 not that long ago, maybe a week or 10 days ago. Uh, he can fill it up uh, from long range. Uh, he's got to be a, a concern for the Hawks defensively. Look, Derrick Rose, he can shoot the three, but he attacks the basket like he's 25 years old again. Yep, no question. And you saw Tom leave Rose on the bench and go with Burks. 
down the stretch of these games, the last, uh, the San Antonio game and, and the last two with Charlotte and Boston. No doubt about it, he is outstanding. Wouldn't shock me to see him start, but uh, he's been, he's great. And I think that's something that the Hawks have to take a look at. How are they going to defend that second unit uh, with a guy like Burks? Because we don't really have a guy on that second unit. Kevin Herter, maybe, uh, that can come in there and stay with him. Lou's no match for him. Gallinari doesn't have the foot speed. So uh, we've, we've got some concerns about guarding Alec Burks. Good call. Um, let, me, let me break away for the Hawks-Knicks series just for a second. Uh, in watching the Lakers last night against Golden State, not surprised at all by the sluggish Lakers start in the first half. Uh, they look like a team that was totally rusty, and they were humiliated. Let's be real. They were down 13 at the half. How would you like to be in that locker room and listen to the language? Uh, <laughs> probably coming from LeBron James more than anybody. I mean, they, were, they, were, they, they looked awful. Uh, Anthony Davis was 2 for 12 in the first half. LeBron was 1 for 7. But here are two superstars that understand. So in the second half, LeBron goes 6 of 12. Anthony Davis goes 8 of 12. And they turn it around. Uh, LeBron makes a triple-double, including that circus three in Steph Curry range from 34 feet away to knock down a triple that they gave him the victory, as it turned out. I thought the game was overhyped because it featured Curry, it featured James. But in reality, if that was a seven-game series, I don't think it would go more than four. I agree. I I think one of the big things uh, is the way that LeBron is covered. Uh, I just think that, listen, Father Time is still undefeated. Uh, there's no way you could look at LeBron last night and say with this ankle injury, which he suffered against us, as a matter of fact, is not slowing him down and not affecting his shooting. I mean, you're, you're not watching the same game the rest of us are. Uh, they've got their work cut out for them against Phoenix. And those young legs on the Suns, they are going to run, run, run. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a challenge for LeBron and Anthony Davis. This is not the deepest Laker team that's ever come down to Pike now. No. And they proved it with LeBron not being in the lineup. Uh, they struggle. And... They, they may struggle against Phoenix. This is not going to be – everybody's just saying, well, LeBron, that eight to your back, and they're going to go right to the finals again. Don't don't buy into that yet. It's a new year. It, it, it's different, Howard, with no fans in the stands to speak of, you know, limited crowds. Uh, it's just not the same. And I'm not so sure that they'll survive Phoenix. I'm not. And yet, this is the first time in history that a seven seed is favored to beat the two seed. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And uh, without home court, for yeah. what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it's, uh, it just shows you that, you know, everybody thinks that this guy is just so invincible, and he has proven to be. I'm not taking anything away from it. But, you know, the bubble was the bubble, and that was different. And this year, they've proven that they're, they're just, they just don't have the depth. If those guys get hurt, it's over for them. Period. Yep. And it'll get more exposed the longer the series goes. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, in watching the game last night, and, and this guy is, he, he's one of the, he reminds me of, of the effect that Bill Lambert had on opponents. And I'm talking about Draymond Green. 
Draymond right. Green, you know, uh, they, they didn't call a flagrant on him when LeBron got hit in the eye. Um, they could have, I suppose, but I don't have any problem with them. Not the thing that drives me up a wall about Draymond Green. He doesn't ever shut up. He's always yeah. complaining about the to the officials like he never committed a foul before. Uh, and, and I don't know if it gets on the nerves of his teammates, but I think he leads the league in ejections, if I'm not mistaken. He's got a mouth big enough for two sets of teeth. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> now he's he's it's nonstop with him, and I don't know what it's like on the court, but man, I would I'd really get tired of that if I'm an official. I oh. mean, I get it enough coming from the sidelines with the two cogens. Now, I got to listen to you all night. No, I don't think so. I, I would have a rough time with that. And you're right. You know, he's never the offender. Well. Look, I, I, I know he's a great he's a great player. Although last night, not so much. He was 0 for five from the field. He had more. He had well, he had five personal fouls. So I mean, he did he did uh, do one thing that was good in the in the in the box score. He got something, but it wasn't what they needed. The fact of the matter right. is, the outcome of that game last night didn't surprise me necessarily. Uh, I think Golden State will probably handle Memphis when they play. But let's come back to the Hawks and the Knicks. They begin at what, on, on Sunday or Saturday or Sunday? I forget. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday night. Uh, Sunday night. So, look, you're going into Madison Square Garden, and they've earned the home court because they beat the Hawks three out of three. Um, and, and it's a tough place to play. And if they have, like I hear, 13,000 fans in the arena, it's going to be a decided home court advantage for the Knicks. But the series is not decided in game one. It's decided in the best four out of seven. And I think, uh, you know, if you dodge the bullet and you take the best that the Knicks have to give you early on, it's the response that I'm waiting to see from the Atlanta Hawks. No question. You know, uh, Mike Budenholzer, God bless him, when he was here, drove that into us all. And we still remember it. It's not a best of one. It's a best of seven. And you got to win four. So... If you lose the first game, it does not mean you're going to lose the series. And, you know, the thing about playing basketball, Howard, as you know very well, it's so emotional that when you win a game in the playoffs, you don't think you're ever going to lose. And when you lose a game in the playoffs, you don't think you're ever going to win another one. <laughs> I mean, it is so emotional. And for young teams like the Knicks and Hawks, this is a lesson they have to learn. That it's not the regular season. You know, you're not going to be bringing these four or five game win streaks together. I mean, every possession down to the wire. I, I would like to point out that I, I do think we're seeing a little change uh, in officiating. Now, we know that the better referees are working these games, okay? And they have the ability to control the game unlike the regular season a little bit better because they've got the experience. They know how to blow a whistle, how to contain uh, physical play a little bit better than some of the rookie referees and the inexperienced referees. These are the guys that are working now. But the way the rules of the game are, Howard, I just don't see the old quote-unquote what you and I are used to, playoff basketball, coming back into effect. You know, where it was hold and push and shove and take your life in your own hand driving down the lane. I haven't seen it yet in these play-in games, and I assume that that's the way the games are going to be officiated. 
uh, in the playoffs. And if that's the case, then some of these finesse teams that shoot the three ball might have a little bit of an advantage. Uh, not that the Hawks are a finesse team. I, I'm just talking about the overall. Uh, they might have a bit of an advantage because if, if you're still getting fouled for the touch and Steph's going to the line 10, 15 times, that's going to make a difference in a lot of uh, teams' offense. And so we're seeing higher scores than we would normally see, I think, in playoff games. Uh, just something to keep an eye on as the playoffs unfold. Yeah, before I let you go, Bob, uh, I think it's fair to say that the Nets would be the favorite to come out of the East. They have the most talent, obviously. And it's not just the big three. It's Joe Harris. It's Brown. Right. It's Jeff Green. It's Blake Griffin. I mean, they've got a deep bench. Uh, and Steve Nash, to his credit, uh, has learned uh, baptism by fire since the beginning of the year. Uh, and look, I never questioned whether or not he should have gotten the job because Kevin Durant said, yeah, I want him. And once the best player on your team says, I want him, there's no discussion. So I think he's done a good job as he's matured as a head coach. But having said that, there is a lot of pressure on the Nets. It's either win or, or, or nothing. I think that's got to be th th their, uh, their drive going forward. Yeah, there is pressure. There's no doubt. I mean, Philadelphia is pretty good too. You know, Embiid's a he's a beast, and the way he played down the stretch, uh, he's going to be hard to stop. They've got pretty good balance too. Um, you know, I just think back to the Lakers uh, back in the day when they had Jerry West and Will Chamberlain and Elgin Baylor in anybody's top ten uh, of all time greats. They those three have got to be there. They they didn't win it. So it's not going to be easy for the Nets. Uh, it never is. Uh, heavy lies the head, right? But I think the X factor, as we've spoken uh, on your program before, the X factor for them is Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. He's unguardable. He's so tall. You can't block his shot. He can shoot anywhere on the floor. And when you need a bucket, and you know how playoff games go, there are those possessions at the end of games you got to have a bucket. And that's what separates the stars from the superstars. And the Jordans deliver, the Birds deliver, et cetera, et cetera. And Kevin Durant is that kind of guy for Brooklyn. And when you've got that, that gives you an um, enormous advantage. No question. I think that uh, I, I don't expect anybody in Atlanta to look ahead of the Knicks. I don't expect anybody in New York to look ahead of the Hawks. I think it's, it's going to be a tough series. Personally, and I don't have a horse in the race, Bob, but I like the Hawks in six games. Um, I, I just think that that talent prevails in this league. I think they've got more of it, and I think they're uh, that they're uh, they're going to be successful in this series. Having said that, that means they go they go up against Philadelphia next, uh, and that's not. And you've already mentioned about Embiid and what they have. Uh, I don't I, I don't discount Milwaukee, but. I would say that they're third in the East for a reason. I think they're the third best team in the East. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Um, I think I think the Hawks are a little bit better than people are giving them credit for, uh, and I think the Knicks. Uh, you know, they're so good defensively. Uh, can that win a playoff series for you? Uh, you know, I think ultimately you got to score some. And where are they going to get the points from other than, you know, the guys that, you know, with Randall uh, dominated the basketball. So we'll see. I mean, that's what makes it a horse race. Uh, four or five matchups are traditionally very even, and I don't think this is any different. Uh, it, I, it'd be interesting to see the Brooklyn 
Milwaukee series if that indeed becomes a reality. Uh, don't discount Miami. Uh, they've got the experience. They're pretty deep. Uh, they could, if not win that series, put a pretty good scare at Milwaukee. And I think the head coach there, you know, we talked about Bud. You know, if they don't, if they don't come through, uh, he might this. He may be coaching his last Milwaukee team. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I've talked to some friends of mine in Milwaukee, uh, and they say that the, that the, the rumors are rampant that, that if uh, the Bucks don't have an outstanding performance, and by that I mean get to the Eastern Finals, he's probably going to be gone. But I heard a ridiculous rumor yesterday that said that Brad Stevens in Boston's on the hot seat, uh, and I refute that. I talked to Bob Ryan, the Hall of Fame writer from the Boston Globe yesterday. I asked him about it. He goes, totally inaccurate. And I said, well, there's rumors out there, Bob, you know. But I don't think that, that uh, Brad Stevens is the blame. You know, look at the injuries that team has suffered this year. No Jalen Brown for the playoffs. I mean, that's a big loss. Right. And Kemba's on, you know, one leg. There, listen, Brad is outstanding. He's not going anywhere. I think the, the Celtics' problems are, are roster construction. Yes. You know, they they got the, the big four, but the, the balance of the bench is just not there. And you gotta have, you got to go a little deeper than just the four guys, the Tatum and Brown and Kemba and Marcus Smart, to win your ball games. You know, uh, I do like Robert Williams, I, I must say. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's got a chance to be a really good big in our league. But – you know, none of those other guys scare you. That's for sure. Uh, so I think depth was last year. I think depth is a problem this year for Boston. So how many games do you work? You work games in the first round, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, we've got we've got every game except the Sunday game, which is on ABC, which uh, is always an exclusive uh, to them. But anytime it's on ESPN or Turner on TNT, we we get a chance to do the game. Well, it should be interesting. Look, a part of oh, me great. a part of me has got a soft spot uh, for Atlanta because I think I've told you this before, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan and have been for a long time. So right. I kind of like to see the Hawks. Uh, nobody's nobody's giving them a lot of credit and all of that. And, but, uh, you know, the Knicks are, you know, you live in the New York area as I do, and this is like the second coming, you know, in, in New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The Knicks are back. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting <laughs> that uh, – that that uh, the Atlanta Hawks had that Nate McMillan is basically saying it's good for the league if the Knicks are good. Yeah, I you know <laughs> that was some uh, strategic wordplay sure. there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, listen, he knows, he knows, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they Boston, New York, and L.A. They are going to do everything they can to put them front and center. It, but I can I can guarantee you one thing. The referees who work the game in the garden could not care less who wins the game. Yep. Yep. It's going to be interesting, Bob. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are as well. Uh, Thanks again for your time, and you stay safe. You bet, buddy. And next time you call, I'll have some power at the house. (laughs) Yeah, keep the birds inside. (laughs) All right, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Bob Rathman, the television voice of the Atlanta Hawks. I think the Hawks win in six. I really do. I think the first time, I mean, both teams have little playoff experience. I get that. But I think the, the point guard comparisons are, are notable. Trey Young is a, is a superstar. Uh, he can fill it up with anybody. Uh, you know, Derek Rose uh, might, be, might not be able to keep up with him from a speed standpoint. 
But then again, uh, Rose is physical. Uh, and we'll see how Young responds to that because, you know, Rose is going to get the lion's share of the minutes. So we'll see. Appreciate your time. We take a bite of the Big Apple. Hope you enjoyed it. You stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.